this is Catherine, as I know I need to stop talking. Hello, my loves, I'm back. Oh my goodness me, it's been a month, a month of no podcasts. And, and possibly none of you have noticed, but I genuinely miss, as I've genuinely missed, sitting in a corner of my house talking to myself. Well, let's be honest, that's happened a lot anyway, but I've missed you all, I've genuinely missed you all. I hadn't realised how much, well, I didn't realise how long it had been, like, and then I looked at my door, it's been a month, a month since the last podcast, which may have been a blessed relief, in which case I'm sorry that the silence is over for all of you lovely people, or or maybe you've missed me, but I've genuinely, genuinely really missed, and I'm, I'm so sorry. I mean, I think, I don't know about anybody else, I am beyond delighted that we are no longer in lockdown, but fuck me, it takes some adjusting to, doesn't it? Like having multiple activities in one day. And I feel like slightly at the minute, like there is just not quite enough hours in the day. And that is a lovely problem to have, right? That is a really, really lovely problem to have. But I feel like, you know, I may even need to think about recording these on a different day other than the Saturday day. I mean, obviously there's the perpetual standoff with, with Ocado, who I'm, I'm recording this slightly early on Saturday, so so they shouldn't turn up at this time. Although knowing lovely Ocado, they'll, they'll ring me and go, we're running ahead of delivery. And I'll be like, fuck, I still haven't folded my plastic bags into samosas. If you're new to the podcast, this is a long-standing trauma of mine that I do not fold my plastic bags into samosas and I can tell you now if I didn't do it in lockdown I'm certainly not going to be getting around to, to doing it now but genuinely I've really missed you and like so much so much is happening like how the, how the fuck is it the end of March I, I appreciate that this makes me sound very old but it's definitely a thing when you go oh my goodness you get old as the years go so quickly March what the fuck how are we in March like it's sunny it's a genuinely sunny day I know this because this morning I stood on the sidelines at a football match more on which shortly and I could feel my own vagina throughout. I mean, I couldn't really feel my own vagina because it's not a part of your body that you can consciously feel. But I have definitely been able to feel an absence of my own vagina. Maybe that's what we'll call this podcast episode. The absence of sensation of one's vagina. It's not a very catchy title, is it? I, I, I might rephrase that. But yeah, it's, it, I mean, to be honest, it's another mental weekend this weekend, if I'm completely and utterly honest with you. So it started last night. We had a very, oh my goodness, we had very exciting. I mean, again, I'm still in this post-lockdown thing of very exciting. Everything is fucking very exciting post-lockdown. But we had a genuinely very exciting night out last night. We took the kids to their first big stadium gig, which I'm trying to remember what my first big stadium gig was. And I'm thinking in my head, it was probably something far too mortifying for me to even mention it. I do know that back in 1996, I had tickets for when Oasis played at Nebworth House, which was near to where I lived at the time. I had tickets. My dad got me tickets and I turned them down because I'm a colossal twat. And I know what some of you will be thinking, which is that clearly Blur were better than Oasis in the Battle of Bands in the 90s. And that may as well be, but goodness me, wouldn't it be nice to say that you were there? And I wasn't there because I don't think I could be asked. <laughs> anyway, um, we, we went last night, we went to the O2 Arena last night and it was Mr. I Know I Need to Stop Talking's choice of band rather than mine which is not to say that I wasn't very excited about going, because I, I just, as you all know, I, I love live music. I love a gig that's so loud that like it feels like your organs are vibrating as that's as in internal organs as opposed to like pipe organs that you've brought along with you i love the fact that i felt the need to specify that because of course that's how we all go to gigs is with a pipe organ in our in our pocket for fuck's sake me anyway so we went last night to see genesis play now i'm kind of i've got a mixed view on genesis because it's just not quite my era it's a little bit it's a little bit pre-me but I'm telling you now, these these guys. I mean, obviously, in their in their seventies, they were phenomenal. Oh my goodness me, two and a bit hours without a break, absolutely phenomenal. And the kids' faces were were an absolute picture. And I think they've both gone. 
with a little bit of cynicism, like, you know, who's this band Genesis and why is dad making us go, go, go and see them? But fair play, Phil Collins, who obviously walks these days with a, with a stick and, you know, it's clearly quite physically unwell in terms of sort of his, his ability to move and the, and the injuries he's had over the years. I mean, he sat down for the whole fucking gig, which I would just like to say is fucking inspired. And in the unlikely event that I ever become a touring arena performer, which seems unlikely, but you never know, I am absolutely going to build on that trick and sit myself down in a little swivel chair like he had. What a treat. Who wants to stand, particularly in like five inch heels? Not that Phil Collins was wearing five inch heels, but he could have done because he had a little swivelly chair. That's, that is, that is inspired. Bravo, Phil Collins. But I suppose if you're a drummer, you probably do get used to, to sitting down at gigs, don't you? But it was absolutely, genuinely amazing. And then what was brilliant, I sat next to Jamie and Phil Collins obviously can't play the drums anymore. So what's fantastic on this tour is he's got his son, his 20-year-old son, is playing the drums instead. Phil, Phil Collins is doing the vocals. He's going to call him Phil there, like we're mates. Yeah, Phil's doing the vocals. Phil Collins' son is doing the drums. He is he is a machine. I mean, he's unbelievably talented, staggeringly talented. I mean, you'd hope that you would be with someone like Phil Collins teaching you the drums. But yeah, he's amazing. And I, I sort of nudged Jamie, who was, who was next to me, and I said, you know, one, one day, son, I said, you know, I'll, I'll have you on stage with me. And, and he sort of looked at me. He looked around the 20,000-person capacity of the O2 Arena. He's like, yeah, mum, you never know. If your podcast really takes off, yes, son, if my podcast really takes off, I'll be filling the O2 Arena. And your role will be what, precisely? Because if you're going to sit there playing the fucking drums while I'm trying to record a podcast in the O2 Arena with 20,000 people, I'll be honest, mate, that's going to fuck me off. And we laughed. We laughed a lot. But yeah, it was it was a gem. The only trouble with exciting things like that, and it was genuinely exciting and utterly brilliant, I am too old to stay out late. Now, to be fair, I think I've always been too old to stay out late. It was I was well renowned in our student house when I was at drama school. We regularly have parties at our house because we had the nicest, nicest flat out of all our all our sort of all our year group. And to be clear, that's still setting the bar pretty fucking low. It was still student accommodation, but you know. It didn't have slugs actively wanking around on the floor. Not wanking, not slugs wanking. You know what I mean. Slug, I fucking hate slugs. Anyway, didn't have slugs wanking around on the floor or whatever slugs do. It didn't have active damp pouring down the walls. In actual fact, it was a very nice flat. The only problem with that flat, as a total aside, when we moved in, it had just been refurbished, which was why it was so nice. And my dad loves to tell the story of, of dropping me off. This was my second year at drama school, dropping me off with the with the three people that I shared with. And he said, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really lovely flat. He said, I'm just going to mention the obvious. He said, no doors. And because I was like a bit of a dick, a drama student, head of my clouds, all excited about, oh, I'm moving into a new flat, look at me. I didn't even fucking notice the minor detail that there were no doors, including no front door. So, so my dad, very practical man, sort of sought out the, the builders who, who looked like they were finishing up for the day and sort of said, lads, are we, oh, are we going to maybe think about doors? And they sort of looked at him like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they said, we'll get those sorted. And my dad pushed a little harder and said, maybe, maybe the front door, we could sort, sort that today. And they kind of sighed at great expense. Yeah, all right, we well, suppose we could sort that there. So thanks to my dad, we, we had a front door in our flat. Yay, yay, us. Anyway, back to the parties. So we used to host parties quite a lot, but I was renowned for, it used to get to about 11 o'clock. And to be honest, that, that was probably pushing it. And I'd just disappear off to the bathroom. I had a lovely bath, always have a lovely bath. And then guaranteed by half 11, midnight at the latest, midnight was, was pushing it for me. And this is me as a student, let's remember, this is me aged 1920. I would be absolutely asleep. None of this nonsense up till three, four in the morning. Anyway, as I've got progressively older, 
my bedtimes have just crept earlier and earlier and I fucking love it. I tell you what, absolute treat of a Monday night. If I can get into bed by half eight with a good book and a cup of herbal tea, I am living the fucking dream. And oh, how, I was going to say how the mighty have fallen, but it's very clear. I've always loved an early night. Now, of course, when you go and see a show at night, goes on quite late doesn't it and I'm watching them thinking come on come on come on guys you're you know you're in your 70s do you not want to get home for like slippers and some cheese on toast or something or whatever else rock and roll stars have after they have their gigs slippers and cheese on toast cup of tea um, but no they didn't they, they kept on going anyway so I, I have got getting out of big arenas down to a fine art so we'd, we'd looked up the set list we knew what the last song of the encore was going to be so we watched like the first minute of that and then I was like right come on come on kids and we kind of like got up and we were sitting near the end of the row again booked my seat strategically we were out of the arena. It's quite quite a fucking track to get out of the arena. But I was thinking, I don't want an hour queuing to get out of the car park. That would piss me right royally off. So no, we weren't speedy in the car, no queuing at all. I literally, I was, I felt like going, medals, yeah, if you want a medal here. I mean, probably comes before a fall because then there was some kind of closure on one of the roads. But anyway, we got back. We didn't, however, get back until gone one o'clock in the morning, which meant I got to bed about half past one, which is roughly at least three and a half hours after my ideal bedtime. And the kids were right because they kind of slept in slept in the car. And then I was doing that thing of, I've got to get up in the morning. Because of course, of course, this always happens. Of course, on the morning after you've not been able to get to bed till 1.30, of course, Beth's got a ridiculously early football game that's fucking miles away. So I was like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm. It's fine. And I was calculating and do that thing. I'm calculating, okay, I'm still going to get, okay, six hours sleep, six hours sleep. That'll be right, six hours sleep. Well, it would have been fucking all right if at six o'clock this morning my absolute twat of a cat was chasing around what sounded like some fucking hornet. Cats are so fucking stupid. Honestly, like, who chases a hornet? You dicks, you absolute dicks. So then I was doing that classic thing of being awake and going, I could go back to sleep for an hour, but I was so angry about the fact that I was awake that I could not go back to sleep. I'm very tired and a little bit hysterical. Can you tell? I'm very tired. I cannot fucking wait to get to bed tonight. It's four o'clock right now. So I reckon England matches on this evening. Straight after that, half eight, Saturday night, in bed, cup of tea, good book, rock and roll, living the dream, living the dream. But yeah, Genesis were absolutely fucking amazing and the kids were very wild. Though Beth did look at me furiously afterwards and say, you didn't tell me it was going to be loud. So to you, it was, a, it was an arena gig, what were you expecting? She was like, I thought they might have been a bit quieter. So that was that was good. But then she played this morning. It was an excellent match. My, my, my favourite moment of, of the match in which Beth um, impressively played in defence, in midfield and up front. And, you know, was, was pretty okay in, in all of those positions. But she was playing midfield and she attempted what would have been one of the best goals ever. Like it kind of, she was trying to curl it in from the side and it was aiming for the top left corner. She just missed it. And when I say just, it kind of bounced off the corner of the goal. Like it was to be millimetres out. And entertainingly, when it, when it missed, instead of kind of like looking pissed off, she, she just, she sort of put her hands on her head and then she just sat down on the floor and looked at the goal and looked at me and laughed as if to say, well, the fuck, how the fuck did that not go in? However, this all came back to bite me because then we got back home after playing the match. I was like, well done, you've done really well, great result, blah, blah, blah. And she said, she came in this afternoon, she was like, right, so we need to go down to the park now. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, you've got to find me a park with a goal in. So we've got a goal in the garden. She said, yeah, I need a, I need a, a bigger goal and a, and a bigger space. I want to take some long shots because I need to go and score that goal. 
So I've just spent, on a very warm Saturday afternoon, the best part of an hour, chasing around after Beth's long balls, which are very long. I have run a very long way. I'm too fucking old for this shit. I am too fucking old to run around attempting to play football for an hour after I've been up till half past one in the morning and woken up at six. Too old. Too old for this kind of shit. Anyway, so yeah, we've been we've been missing an action. But I genuinely have I've missed you all so much. I have to find a more sustainable way of working this podcast into my into my week going forward. So I'm going to give some thought to that. Editor highlights though from from the last few weeks, and you know I've kind of tried to put a few of these a few of these onto the blog as well. We went away. We went away with my mum and my sister and their families. We had like such a lovely time. We went down to Dorset to a place called Osmington. And when I was year eight, I think at school, we went on a trip to a place called Osmington Bay, which like at the time I, I imagined was kind of like something out of Heidi High, like a nice little holiday camp. And, you know, we did activities and it was really fun. I remember having a brilliant time. Anyway, it turned out the house we were staying in was literally across the road from Osmington Bay. So I was like, come on, kids, let's go and see where mummy went when she was at school on a school trip. So obviously their reaction to that was about as recalcitrant as you can probably imagine. So I dragged the moaning and playing across the road and we, we gazed over Osmington Bay, the, the, the park, the camp where I'd stayed. Beth went to me, did you go on holiday in a prison? And she wasn't wrong. Like, I, in my head, there were, like, jolly people and fun and sandcastles and stuff. And then you gaze over it and it looks like a fucking prison camp. It genuinely looks like some kind of detention centre. Maybe it was. It wouldn't surprise me if I was sent to some kind of detention centre. So, yeah. Anyway, that was the relaxing part of the weekend away. Because then the weekend became all about walks of near death. Now, I love a walk. As long-time listeners will know, I love a walk. And I will walk just about anywhere. I probably would not choose to walk on the edge of a cliff after a period of extended rain where the footpaths are awash and I do mean awash with fucking mud oh dear god now usually in my family I am the one going no it'll be fine we'll be fine come on we can go for a walk it'll be absolutely fine this time looking down this footpath which had a very steep gradient down I'm the one going I'm not sure this is a good idea, but my, it turns out the mad gene clearly comes from my mum and my sister, because they were like, no, we'll be fine, we'll be absolutely fine. I mean, fair play to my sister and her husband, who were like sort of coercing and cajoling my niece and nephew, who are aged two and four, respectively. So fair play to them. They were carrying children as well. I thought we were going to die. I took photos of us as a family, because I was like, well, if we fall to our deaths, at least we've had a nice selfie together before we die, because those are the priorities you should have when you're facing near-death situations. Let's get a good selfie first, just in case. We slipped and slid. I mean, Mr. I know I need to stop talking. He's got actual scarring on his arms from where he like had to like reach out into bramble bushes to try and grab something as we were like sliding down this absolute death trap of a walk i have never been so more relieved to get down to the beach osmington bay in my life and then the awful horrendous realization dawns that you're on the beach it's beautiful and it's lovely and it's like oh it feels so calm and then you're like the only way back to civilization is back up that fucking death slide of a path i mean i love a walk i did not love that walk but then I was like, okay, well, at least I've done, like, the death side walk for the day. What can go wrong now? So I offered to walk down to the co-op, which was about a mile and a bit away, because we hadn't bought any washing tablets for the washing machine. So I was like, oh, I don't mind, because clearly we needed washing tablets, because we were so fucking covered in mud after the death slide walk. So I said, I'll walk to the co-op, no problem. I like a walk. I'll walk anywhere. I have hand on my heart, and I say this having done the death slide walk in the morning, I have never been more frightened in my life on a walk because the, the path and Google Maps was like, walk this way, it'll be fine. 
Google Maps, it was not fucking fine. I find myself walking on a road with no pavement, but not only no pavement, because I'm used to, I grew up rurally, I'm used to walking on roads with no pavement. It's a very narrow road. There's no pavement. There's no verges. There's great big fucking bushes right up to the edge of the road. There's no laybys. There's no path that you could walk through in the fields. You are literally walking into the path of oncoming traffic for a mile and a half and hoping to fuck that they see you. I have never been so scared. And I'm sure some of you are thinking, what a dick, why didn't you turn back? And in hindsight, I should have turned back. It was a total dick move to keep going. But I was so convinced that Google Maps wouldn't lead me down the street. See the trust I put in you, Google Maps? I was so convinced Google Maps wouldn't lead me down there unless it was a safe route to traverse. But I just kept expecting to find like some convenient pavement very soon. Listeners, I did not find a fucking convenient pavement. I did find the co-op, thank God. I was tempted to like go in and like buy a bottle of gin and neck that before I walked back. But instead, I bought, I bought a box of washing powder. There's the other problem was I was wearing like pretty much an all black outfit. I was probably still covered with mud from the death slide walk. And so I went into the co-op and bought the whitest, brightest box of washing powder I could find and literally held it in front of myself. Like, I mean, I don't know what I thought a 500 gram box of washing powder was going to do in the event of some car deciding to career towards me. But it was the only protection that I had. So yeah, Dorset, beautiful. Osmington Bay looks a little bit like a prison camp. Don't go for a fucking walk down there. They are all walks of death. But other than that, it was it was lovely. It was it was beautiful. The kids have continued to to be delights. My one of my favourite Beth moments from the last last few weeks. She was very aggrieved to find out that sports day at her school, which as you probably understand is very important to Beth given her love of sports, it was going to clash with her induction day for her secondary school when she starts secondary school in September. So she kind of came into me and she said, well, what are we going to do about this? And I said, well, there's nothing we can do, Beth. It's ju- you know, it's just one of those things. It's unfortunate. You do lots of sports outside of school, don't worry about it. And, and she kind of went away and I could see her brewing over this in her head. Anyway, the next day I picked her up from school. I said, how was school? She said, it was fine. She said, it's all sorted. I said, what's all sorted? She said, I've been to see the head teacher. I said, about what? She said, sports day, looking at me like I was an idiot. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, sports day clashed with my day that I was going to be going to my secondary school, didn't it? I said, yeah. She said, so I went down to the head teacher's office this morning and asked her to come in for a conversation and basically explain the issue. And she's going to sort it out. And true to form, two days later, a note came out from school saying that due to a clash with some others, some of the children's other commitments, they were going to be moving sports day forthwith. Beth fucking scares me. There is no way I would have had that level of confidence or belief that anything would change. But she walks in there like, of course it'll get changed because I won't be able to make it. And she was right. She scares me. But the biggest probable event of the last last few weeks, oh my goodness me, last Sunday, Beth's girls team played in the county football cup final. And what a day, what an absolute day. It was genuinely amazing. So they, they got to play in a proper stadium, which I think was lovely for the girls. It's the first time that they'd done that. So we went down with Mr. I Know I Need to Stop Talking. His dad came as well. Jamie, looking like he had all of his life regrets, was was dragged along with us. I mean, I did bring enough food to feed a small army, so I think that was some small, small consolation. And we got there and, you know, the girls were... And, and we were not expecting them to win. They were playing against another team who are genuinely excellent. They're so good. They play up a year, actually, in, in terms of the league, so they play play with the year above. And they were genuinely a fantastic team, a really, really lovely team to play against. Played really fair. Played some really great football. But I'd gone in kind of thinking, okay, well, it's all right. They're, they're going to lose like 8-0, 9-0. So, you know, it's what it is. 
and finished half time it was it was nil nil beth, beth beth had gone in like looking like she was gunning for blood she literally as soon as she got the pitch the first tackle she made this poor girl she just like i mean it's a fair tackle it was a clean tackle she just knocked this girl <laughs> to the ground i was like okay this is this is how we're playing football today clearly and so nil nil at half time then they came back on in the second half and then the opposition definitely had sort of the the, the run of play in the first half and they'd been looking a number of times like they might score on our girls just about held them back and then second half kind of almost out of nowhere there was a throw in it came to Beth she flicked up in the air played to, to one of their wingers who played it out to one of our defenders who scored the most unbelievable goal one of the dads got it on video we just keep on watching it back because it is unbelievable it's flawless it would not have looked out of place in the premiership it is flawless it's from a mile out and she scores and then the trouble was you start to get hope didn't you one nil up you're like oh, could they do it could they do it? And they so nearly did, but ultimately, just before time, they went, they lost 2-1. But do you know what? Their heads stayed up. I mean, Beth, I've got the most glorious picture of Beth, and I know I don't share photos of the kids on, on the blog, and, and nor will I, but I would just love to show you all this, this picture, because I got it. It's a photo of her that I took. She went out to get her runners-up medal, and, and she was beaming from ear to ear, like, the whole day. She loved every single second of it. And she went up and I was, I was sat in the stands just above her and I snapped this photo of her. And she just, she looks radiant. She looks absolutely radiant. Um, and then they, and then they all went, you know, kind of all went off and we, we got back in the, into the car. And, and, you know, Jamie by this point was, was literally had all of, all of life's regrets pouring over him. He'd missed out on a day with his girlfriend. He'd run out of fucking phone battery as well. He'd had to actually talk to us. He'd had to actually watch the game. And he's usually pretty scathing about his sister's football. He keeps her in check. He's like, no, it wasn't very good. We got back in, we got back in the car and he, he turned to Beth. He said, well, he said, it was a shame you didn't win. Get to the point, mate. Get to the point. Yeah, good, good, good. To the, to, cut to the quick. Shame you didn't win. So it was a shame, real shame that you didn't win. He said, and then it, like tones almost surprised in his voice. He said, but do you know what, Beth? He said, thought actually, thought you'd probably be the best player on the pitch. And her face was radiant absolutely radiant so it wasn't the result that we wanted but it was a cracking game of football both teams acquitted themselves amazingly you know absolutely deserved to the winning team a best team should be incredibly proud of themselves and jamie what an absolute what an absolute fucking legend he, he puts up puts up with a lot he puts up with a lot he is he's a superstar i've just literally this is like live live from my house as, as i'm podcasting he's just messaged me he's so good he's letting me know that he's about to get the train he's out with his girlfriend today he knows that I'm the ultimate helicopter parent I just panic all the time so he's very good he sent me a message saying that they're about to go on the train I mean it would be fucking better if he could manage to keep his phone battery above more than five percent nothing like living on the edge but they're, they're, they're just about to get on the train he's a good boy he's such a good boy so now I'm off really to finish the rest of this already bonkers weekend with with tomorrow which is promises to be absolutely fucking batshit I mean we have the combined delights tomorrow of Mother's Day it's also my wedding anniversary and it's also because the fucking clock change people are dicks. It's fucking clock change day, isn't it? Losing a fucking hour's sleep. Like, I haven't lost enough hours sleep, people. Losing an hour's sleep on Mother's Day. What a fucking dick move. What a dick move. And of course, Beth's got football. So which, of course, means that it's not that early a kickoff, but it bloody well will be once the clocks have gone forward. Fuck's sake, clock change people. Very unreasonable. Um, so it promises probably actually to be about as much abject chaos as my wedding day. 16 years ago. 16 years ago. It's a long time, isn't it? I mean, my, my wedding day, I think I've recounted on here before, but it, it, was a, it was an abject, chaotic delight from start to finish, really, as, as befits me. I think probably Mr. I know I need to stop talking, probably found himself wondering what the fuck he was marrying into, because it was absolutely batshit. We got married in the Lake District. We don't live anywhere near the Lake District, but it's one of my favourite parts of the world. So we got married in the Lake District. 
Uh, it was March, so it pissed it down, which was absolutely fine. We've got loads of pictures of <laughs> everybody looking very, very soggy outside. We're standing underneath a big umbrella. Loads of great pictures of lots of my guests not understanding about the wind direction. So they're trying to throw confetti and it's all literally flying back in their faces. Highly entertaining. I mean, I woke up on my wedding day. I was still pissed from the night before because I had ignored my mum's very sensible advice to why don't you go to bed because you'll feel, feel tired. Again, we already know I'm someone who doesn't like to stay up past 10pm. So how it was that one ahem one on the morning of my wedding day, my mum very sensibly, and I love you for doing this, mummy, because the wedding day would have been a whole lot worse if you hadn't, came and very nicely said, it's time for bed, everybody. So my friends and I went to bed. I got up on my wedding day, still pissed, and drank a can of Red Bull in the bath while getting ready. And if that isn't the epitome of a classy bride, I frankly don't know what. What is? I mean, fucking hell. Poor Mr. I know I need to stop talking. I was nearly late because I trusted my best friend in the world, James, who is fucking appalling when it comes to timekeeping. He had come up because he'd been ill the night before, so he was he was driving up with his with his then partner, now husband, and they were late because James was late because he'd forgotten stuff. So they arrived to pick me up late from one end of the Lake District to drive me to the other end of the Lake District. My other friend, Tim, brilliantly had... I think not concentrated. I love you, Tim, if you're listening to this. I don't think you'd concentrated. Had not read the right venue for the day of the wedding. Had read the venue that we were meeting in the day before. So like 15 minutes before the wedding, text me to go, I'm here, where are you all? We're at the other end of the Lake District, Tim. So he then described some terrifying journey across the mighty Kirkston Pass. Oh, Kirkston Pass is legendary. With a mad taxi driver while Tim was trying to like change into his wedding suit in the back of the taxi. Never ceases to entertain me. We'll forgive him, therefore, for then, despite... He was in charge of music. Tim was in charge of music. It was a small wedding. We only had 40 people, so he was in charge of music. And I said to him before the ceremony started, because back in the day, we were in CDs. We were in CD land. I said, don't just let the CD start because the track I want is very nice and low-key and, you know, romantic and moving. And the first track, it was the Paul Simon's Graceland's album. The first track is like, You Can Call Me Al, which I love You Can Call Me Al, but it's not the song you want coming blasting out as you're about to sign the wedding register. So we're there waiting. I'm like, come on, Tim, track nine, track nine, track nine. And then the dulcet tones of You Can Call Me Al came blasting out. And I, I, I remember having, you know, looked, I think, reasonably nice and, you know, having sobered up in my wedding dress. But I remember screaming down the aisle like some fishwife, wrong track, Tim, track nine, track nine. Um, but it but it was it was perfect. It was abject fucking chaos and it, and it was completely, completely perfect. I remember James, James was playing the piano. My friend James is a very, very talented pianist. He was playing the piano at the venue. And because he'd been ill the night before, he, he said, you know, I just like a Diet Coke and very posh hotel. And they had those, you know, those little, little cans of Diet Coke that you can get which you know I would normally have decanted into a glass and served but they obviously decided that one little can wasn't enough so they got two little cans and then they wanted to pour it into the glass but with ice it was too much of the glass so you could almost see kind of like the panic the cogs were whirring which is how James came to be playing the piano with a gravy boat full of diet coke on top of it because they'd obviously thought we're going to put this in a jug they didn't have a jug they improvised they found a gravy boat I mean that there's nothing says true love like diet coke in your gravy boat but yeah it was genuinely genuinely perfect and um yeah happy anniversary mr i know i need to stop talking you do put up with an awful fucking lot i'm gonna be thinking tomorrow with certainly all of those of you who struggle with clock changes because i hear you sisters i hear you i'm also going to be thinking of all those of you who for whatever reason mother's day is is a tough day it's not always an easy day and i know lots of people that i know and love very dearly for whom tomorrow is going to be a really tough day so i send you send you loads of love i i really do 
and and personally, you know, I, I have low expectations for, for for Mother's Day because I think it's you know it shouldn't be commercialised. But I am waiting to see if Jamie can can beat his um his offering to me last year, which was a oh shit, I've forgotten it's Mother's Day. So he went and found a piece of A4 paper, folded it in half, no drawing on the front, no cover, wrote inside, Mum, Happy Mother's Day, from Jamie. Nothing says true love like a card like that, living the dream. Right, I'm going to go to bed. I mean, not quite, because it is only just gone four o'clock, but if I thought I could get away with it, I absolutely would. I'm too old for this shit. Have lovely weeks, my loves. Take care. I will hopefully see you very soon. Lots of love. Bye-bye.